Welcome to the Nanalyze podcast. We are a boutique media and research firm specializing in disruptive innovation. Visit nanalyze.com for more details. Stock analysis for beginners is the topic of today's presentation. And I wanted to start this with talking a little bit about what we do at Nanalyze. So we help people become better investors by managing risk. So you can't just say you help people become better investors. Everybody says that. You have to show them how. And once you teach a man to fish, then you'll let him feed himself for a lifetime. And we have a lot of paying subscribers that say they subscribed because they learned how to become better investors. And ultimately, um, you'll be the judge of whether or not you're a better investor based on what you learn. So if you teach somebody how to analyze stocks using examples of how we do that here at Analyze, then uh, hopefully they'll be able to make better choices. Now, let's assume, first of all, that you've already completed Asset Allocation 101 and that you're not just trying to find the next Tesla like so many pundits want to suggest is the answer to wealth, finding the right stock. That's not how you become wealthy. If you look at our asset class allocation, so we manage assets here at Nanalyze, and you can see the percentages broken down. That first bucket quantigens, 58% of our assets are in dividend growth companies, 30 of them. Nanalyze is our uh, disruptive tech stock portfolio. There's 37 stocks in there. And then we've talked about these different buckets at on various occasions. Now, um, our disruptive tech portfolio is driven by a living investing methodology that we've documented on our beautiful new site here that just went live several days ago. And when we invest in companies or when we don't invest in certain stocks, we avoid them, as we say, we bring receipts. There's nothing proprietary about what we're doing. It's all documented. Uh, being transparent isn't an option if you're going to express opinions about stocks. You lay out the facts and um, your interpretation of those facts. And in the worst case scenario, somebody might look at the same facts and come up with a completely different conclusion. But uh, most of the time, people will be in agreement. And when you take a fact-based approach as opposed to looking at um, how stocks move, we always say we invest in companies, not stocks, then what you present will usually uh, stick around or be relevant for quite a while. And uh, you can look at these various pieces that we've put out about uh, our simple valuation ratio, uh, why we only buy tech stocks above a billion-dollar market cap, how we manage our own portfolio. What's most important here is that we keep things extremely accessible. So no financial terms your average Joe isn't familiar with, which means pretty much all financial terminology. We don't have, want to have to explain it every time. So we keep things simple, for example, with our simple valuation ratio that just takes market cap and divides it by annualized revenues. We don't invest in business models others can't figure out. That's very important. Reminds me of when I was a hiring manager um, uh, throughout most of my career. And uh, in the last decade, I worked in finance. And uh, uh, one of my favorite questions to ask uh, associates or VPs that I was interviewing would be take the most sophisticated financial concept that you remember from your uh, how the six figures you spent on your education and explain it to me like I'm your grandmother. And that's a very tricky question because it's really asking them what's the most complicated thing that you really know. 
So today we're going to analyze a stock from scratch, and that stock happens to be one raised by this individual. So when we hit 10,000 subs on our channel, we said, all right, um, we'll pick somebody at random, and they can choose a random stock, and we'll analyze it. And it happened to be one of our paying subscribers. It was uh, not, it just turned out that way, despite of what it says here in the comments, but that person raised a firm called Digimark. Now, when we're going to look at a stock, we know nothing about this going into this. Well, um, it turns out that uh, one of our researchers had uh, touched on this firm before, but of course, uh, we uh, wouldn't you forget when you're, uh, we've published somewhere around 2,300 research pieces, very quickly forget what you've covered. Um, Things we wanted to know very quickly is the size. So if this is less than a billion dollar market cap, we wouldn't. It would be off our radar. Uh, are there revenues? We don't invest pre-revenue, so a company has to have meaningful revenues, which we define as ten million dollars per annum or more. Is it growth or value? So when it comes to our two stock portfolios, we uh, we either lean towards disruptive technologies or dividend growth investing. And the in-betweens, we don't care too much about. That's just our strategy. You may have a different strategy. Uh, so we'd like to corral it into one of those buckets, ideally. Is this a viable business? That's a, usually a gross margin question. You see these companies out there with razor-thin gross margins. And, and Open Door is an example of that, where they run into the slightest bit of trouble. Suddenly, they're burning a ton of cash. Uh, showstoppers. This is very important. So I worked the first half of my career was in software development for startups. And whenever we were getting ready to release something, a showstopper was a defect that we just couldn't re release to production with. So a showstopper in investing is something you can't get past for a firm. For example, we don't invest in lots of personal, uh, let's say, unsecured personal loan exposure. We're not interested in that uh, under any circumstances when that's the majority of the exposure on offer from a firm. Red flag. So one red flag might be acceptable. When you get half a dozen, that's a different story. Now, when we talk about size, this is a sort of our methodology where that small bucket there, we like to put a, let's say, place a few bets there. Ideally, most of the money we're putting into new firms would go into the large bucket. It says here, this is our sweet spot. You can pause the video and just read through this. And then we're harvesting once they get into the mega realm. Uh, a good example of a harvest would be NVIDIA. I think okay, uh, last year, was it we sold... Uh, for something like 60 days straight. So uh, our process for reach, researching firms needs to be um, broad such that it can handle all types. So we have um, around 460 stocks in our disruptive tech stock catalog. That's an Excel spreadsheet that our paying subscribers can access. We have 30 stocks in our dividend growth strategy that we're invested in, an additional 40 in our universe. So we're researching well over 500 firms. Uh, we use Yahoo Finance to check the basics for any stock. It's easy to use and free. Then we move on to 10K and 10Q filings. We check in with firms once a year. We find that cadence to be sufficient. Then after looking at what they say to the SEC, which is perhaps the most important information that you'll find, we'll move to the investor deck or latest earnings release to round it out a bit. Um, often Oftentimes, the latest earnings call transcript, the analysts will sometimes key in on uh, key issues, though a lot of times they just throw softballs. Management's past experience, this is important to note because we see a lot of people doing this. Um, 
It's only relevant if they have a history of notable failures or uh, a lot of success stories as a serial entrepreneur. At past experience at investment banks or at C-level roles in prior firms, that's a given. So you'll often see um, individuals on uh, various social media channels that are covering stocks use the CEOs uh, call the CEO by the first name or last name as if they know the person or add them on tweets as if this person running a billion-dollar company has time to look at their stupid tweets. Uh, but people will do that all the time, and it all comes down to this. We don't care to hear what media-trained, glorified salespeople have to say. We happen to think that uh, this is a mistake ARC makes or has made in the past. They listen to too many stories being told by these salespeople, and they should really just kind of leave that, set that noise aside in earnings calls. Sometimes it's interesting to hear how they respond to questions or address problems or don't even. That's very important if they try to sweep something under the rug. But uh, you don't really need to hang on the words of an hour presentation from the CEO of Ginkgo Bioworks to know that this company uh, needs more success stories before it starts to become appealing. Now, Digimark, let's get back to the stock we're going to talk about today. Now, this screenshot appears to be a bit old because the stock price is raised such that I think it's around $620 million market cap. But you get the point. Uh, we do a quick look at the stock price chart to see, well, it's volatile there. Um, we can also tell, and of course, the beta tells us that as well. Uh, we also see this is quite low volume. So, uh, it's always good to have liquidity in, uh, with the stocks that you're investing in. Now, we don't make investments of the size that this would be a red flag where we couldn't invest in the firm, but it's worth noting because this is a barrier to entry for uh, institutions oftentimes. So what does Digimark do? It's pretty simple. They do what's called digital watermarking. Now, their flagship technology is the science, it's pretty cool, of hiding information about an item in the item itself. So there's two parts to that. You encode the information in a product, and then you decode it, discover it. Uh, anything that's digitally processed or made from something digitally processed can have these watermarks attached. Uh, it can be applied to both physical and digital items. Here you see this coffee package where... You might need all these different codes on the left from these different providers, and on the right, you can see where they've simply encoded all this information into that label, and then you can read it with a special reader. Now, it turns out we have come across Digimark. It came up in a piece we did, uh, it looks like six years ago, uh, it was titled, Why Robots Are Strolling the Aisles of Walmart. It's a good read. I'll put a link to that piece in the description of this video, along with some of the methodology-related uh, bits that I mentioned earlier. But um, you can read this. It talks about these invisible barcodes, and uh, Walmart was using these robots that would stroll their aisles and read these and send information to the firm that they were using, uh, Bossa Nova's robots. I don't know if they're still working with uh, Bossa Nova, but they certainly are still working with Digimark. You can see here, late last year, they expanded uh, a partnership with Digimark in a new multi-year agreement. And you can see here this uh, point we've highlighted. As discussed in our Q3 earnings call, the remaining contract value of $7.3 million has now been booked in the current quarter as expected. Well, that's interesting. So let's look at Q3 2022. The amount was $7.3 million. Well, looky here. So in Q3 2022, we see, uh, what, just close to $8 million. Well, that's a little bit of a concern there because 
if Walmart made up nearly all of their revenues for that quarter, Walmart must be a pretty major customer and there might be some customer concentration risk there. So when we look at these charts from Yahoo Finance, we're looking for revenue growth. Since we invest in disruptive tech firms, we expect to see strong revenue growth as a proxy for market share being captured. It's not optional, it has to be there. Here we can see what appears to be mediocre revenue growth over the past four years at least, and then it seems to uh, be a little bit of a tail off here and on the quarterly chart. But let's um, talk a little bit more about how this firm's classified. Again, from Yahoo uh, Finance, you can see the sector's technology that implies growth. It says they provide automatic identification solutions to commercial and government customers in the U.S. and internationally. So, Technology firms traditionally lean towards growth. As I said, we expect to see that. The um, offerings over time need to evolve to ward off competitors. So you'll see uh, usually heavy R&D expenditures. Uh, their increasing breadth over time will increase TAM, so they may target different verticals. Uh, as I said, when we invest in disruptive tech, uh, growth isn't optional. We don't invest in stories. Now, when you look at Digimark's revenues over time, it says here for over 24 years, Digimark has partnered with a consortium of central banks to help deter the counterfeiting of banknotes by providing a platform of technological excellence and trust. And that appears to be there, oh, at least where they started. And then you can see here that something happened around 2013 where revenues uh, stopped growing, they plateaued, and only now they're starting to increase again. We don't like to see that. That means that they messed something up there, and we suspect it has to do with customer concentration risk, which we're going to talk about next. Now, we take a red flag approach when we analyze investments. So uh, similar to when I was a hiring manager, uh, our roles were um, uh, in demand from um, hot talent and you'd have um, you know thousands of applications for a particular position and how do you vet all these people you take a red flag approach you're looking for reasons to stop the interview you're assuming everybody comes to the table with this um, great resume and they've done all these great things and you start looking for red flags so use the process of elimination to uh, consolidate and you use multiple individuals to um, to uh, sort of uh, reassure your findings. So this red flag approach, um, there are close to 3,000 stocks in MSCI Acqui, and that means that we need to vet lots of stocks oftentimes. Uh, well, not that quickly. We'll spend a day on a stock before we publish a research piece, and usually uh, uh, one or more research pieces will back our videos on YouTube. Uh, as I said, we start by looking for showstoppers or red flags, the showstopper being one red flag we can't get past, and multiple red flags also uh, equal a hard avoid. And SEC filings, as I said, are always a good place to start. Now, when we look at the investor deck for Digimark. I pulled this up very quickly because it highlights one of our immediate concerns, and that's a dependency on government. So when you have Walmart as a key customer or the U.S. government as a key customer, and when I say key, I mean, let's say they're 20, 30, 40, or half of your revenues, then they have all the power in the negotiation, and you have no power. You're just a vendor, and they can drop you like a hot potato. So um, you see here that they know at Digimark that a shift from 
government to commercial is desirable. That's why they put up this chart here to show you the increasing mix of commercial, which is great to see. They also mentioned bookings. We don't pay attention to bookings. We pay attention to revenues because lots of firms out there like to use this in a convoluted way to deceive their investors or perhaps, let's say, make the situation look better than it actually is. We focus only on revenues and revenue growth, and they're seeing some revenue growth. You see 14%. That's uh, that's decent from uh, 2022 uh, compared to 2021, and this is important, this 31% growth in commercial revenues. We want to see that grow very quickly so it becomes the majority or, say, a lot more than the majority, marginal majority it's become. 75% gross margin on subscription revenue. Well, they've selected that. I think around half the revenues come from subscription. Interestingly enough, uh, about uh, nearly all revenues for government are services. Well, it's very tough to scale services. We're only interested in subscription and for the reason you see here, that nice, healthy gross margin. They have $52 million in cash and investments, which it's not going to last them that long. I think they're burning some operating costs somewhere around $10 million last quarter. So let's say they have a year and one quarter left or something like that. It's called runway. We want to see how much cash a firm has to survive before they need to either give away more equity or take on debt. Now, when we look at the breakdown between commercial and government, as we mentioned, you can see that above, just highlighting the points that we made in the previous slide. But here is a uh, this is a showstopper for us. So the following customers accounted for 10% or more of revenue. Customer A, 50%. Customer B, 23%. You can see that was for this last quarter. And this concentration is increasing over time, not decreasing. So you see close to three quarters of the revenues come from two customers. So that's not acceptable. We would walk away from that. And it should be obvious why, because they... Um, they can get screwed over, especially when the U.S. government happens to be a, a major customer of theirs. I assume Walmart is one of these names here, and the U.S. government would be the other, but uh, this isn't anything acceptable. So we're done, right? Um, what's acceptable concentration risk? Well, one customer at 12%, since most firms tell you for that companies or, say, clients of theirs that are paying or contributing 10% of revenues or more. If you had one at 12%, that's probably fine. But 20%, 25 you know, you're going to have to make these decisions yourself. And uh, there's they need to be considered in the context of other red flags, noting that when you have a uh, customer that accounts for a lot of revenues and it's a very large company, or the U.S. government, they have all the leverage. Now, when it comes down to valuation, for those of you looking at possibly purchasing shares of Digimark because you like the story, we don't invest in stories, but certainly we can understand the appeal of their technology. This is very richly valued, and we've used our simple valuation ratio, market cap divided by annualized revenues, 21. Well, we don't invest in firms more than 20, and I think the richest names in our catalog right now, like Snowflake, um, they're sitting at around 20. So this is very richly priced. Our catalog average, where we calculate this for uh, quite a few stocks, uh, is 6.5 right now. As I said, we don't invest over 20. To trade at twice our catalog average, so let's say a simple valuation ratio of 13, which would be you know, rich, uh, deservedly rich, right? Because they do have an interesting technology. But if it did trade at twice our catalog average, the market cap would be around $377 million. Share price of 
1850 versus 3037 today. So when we talk about price targets and things like that, we always back them up with valuation. Arbitrary price, uh, stock prices mean absolutely nothing. So to conclude, our rules aren't important. What is important is that you have rules and you have a methodology that you use when you approach stocks that you're thinking about investing in. This puts some objectivity in your investment process. Otherwise, you're going to get carried away by some very cool stories out there. There's great stories everywhere you look, but it comes down to execution and traction. So, Setting aside Digimark's size, uh, there's too many red flags for us to continue. As I said, customer concentration risk, that's a showstopper. To start, the first thing we need to see before we take this any further would be reduced customer dependence. So I'm going to put up another video here that you might want to watch. Before you click that, please click the Nanalyze logo on the right. Subscribe to our channel. Thanks so much for taking the time to watch this today. Thank you for listening to the Nanalyze podcast. If you found this information useful, please share this episode with a friend. This helps us to continue to provide thorough research for you. Want more research like this? Want to know what we're invested in and what stocks we're avoiding? Head to nanalyze.com and consider becoming a premium annual subscriber to get access to premium articles, webinars, and our extensive tech stock catalog. Thank you for your time.